All right, good morning, everybody. Just check the record level, looks good. Uh, my name is Mike, and this is Driving Theology, a uh, podcast about all kinds of stuff. And uh, today we're going to be talking about CRT critical race theory. Uh, Just a little background on myself. Um, I grew up in a family who really tried to, uh, my my parents really tried to teach us um, that um, all races were equal, right? Um, I think both of my parents, just like everybody else in the world, more or less, had some racial tendencies nonetheless. Um, I think it's really hard for us to overcome them completely uh, because I think racism and, uh, and uh, you know, it's, it's microcosmic brother, which is, uh, you know, basically just tribalism or... Um, Whatever you want to call it, like I, I don't, I don't even know what to call it at the at the personal level. So, generally, we think that the the us is the better than the them, right? That's that's just a that's a normal way that people think, and I think it stems from the fact that we are intimately aware of our own motives and and people who we spend time with a lot, but. Uh, we don't understand why people that we don't know do what they do, and so there's a there's a, a very natural uh, what should be curiosity, but actually becomes suspicion of the other. Right? I think it's I think it's human to do so. I think it's it's quite natural. Uh, and and when we ascribe that you know to the us. Right to the me or to the us that we are better than the them inherently uh, that that eventually leads to racism because one of the ways that we tend to divide people is through uh, the obvious things color for example language geography right those are obvious dividers um, well I don't think the color is as obvious as the other ones um, at least it shouldn't be because there's way more that uh, there there are way more attributes. Sorry, my heater is really loud. There are way more attributes that I think uh, are similar that, that we share than than that we don't. Right, especially if we're talking about physical attributes. Um, uh, for example, you would never mistake uh, any human being of, of any any color. For another animal, you'd always assume they're human, right? Um, humans, humans look human, you know, no matter what uh, their color or other physical attributes are, or uh, the texture of their hair. Um, humans look human, and we wouldn't, we wouldn't uh, mistake a human uh, for another species. It just wouldn't ever happen. 
Um, and so I think the, the color divide is a... <clears throat> I, I, say, I called it obvious in the beginning because I, I think it's become such a prevalent part of our society. Anyway, um, kind of went off on a tangent there. I was raised uh, and my, uh, in a way that uh, my parents wanted me to, to be exposed to people of other races. And so uh, even though we lived in a very white community, uh, there was a time when, when my family decided to, to go to a black church uh, in, in, uh, in St. Louis the inner city in St. Louis and so we were members of the church there and uh, uh, as well as uh, I have two biracial um, brothers we, we adopted um, some time ago uh, and I've had uh, foster um, foster brothers and sisters of color I guess is how we say that um, and I suppose the, 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 if we're using the word race, which I'll get to in a minute, but if we're using the word race, I suppose the, the one race that I've been exposed to more than any other is, is Asian, because I live in Japan and have for 26 years. And then the next one would probably be Navajo Indian, because I lived uh, very close to the reservation, and I actually lived in a Navajo children's home for about five years when I was in high school, junior high, high school. Uh, and then, and then after that is probably African American, uh, because of, uh, you know, the, the, the family connections as well as, um, the fact that we attended a church for a couple years. Um, now, you know, the, the church, uh, it's not, it's not immersion, right? You're not immersed in the black culture. You simply see them once or twice a week. <laughs> during worship times and um, but nonetheless I think it was a unique experience that I doubt many people who live in white communities have had um, and my you know my, my wife is Japanese uh, we all of us kids um, had relationships with people of other uh, of other races uh, me and my two sisters, especially. Um, so, somehow, whatever my parents did, they took away the fear that we had of people um, who were not white. And so, we ended up dating people or marrying people uh, who were not white. <clears throat> and I'm still racist. Okay, I, I'm still a product of of my environment. I'm still I'm still human, right? I recognize uh, that that I still have this tendency within me to think that the us, well, the the me or the us, is better than uh, the you or the them. I hope this is making sense. Um, I, th I think that tendency is always going to be there. And so racism or even, you know, suspicion of the other, if you want to call it that, 
or even demonization of the other is really what we're talking about, uh, is a tendency that I think we have to actively fight all the time, right? We, we need to be self-aware enough to, to know when it comes up, right? Uh, and then maybe maybe it would be nice to have uh, some tools uh, to to try to um, to get over it, to guide yourself, to go a different way, right? To 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 go around it, to to make sure that whatever feeling you have does not manifest itself into the world and cause damage. Uh, so I'll say again, I think the racism uh, in general is a is a natural thing for us to have it doesn't mean it's good uh, I think I think maybe at this point because there's been so much focus on on racism it, it's probably impossible at least for this generation and the next uh, to to not be racist I, I believe one day yeah racism will be eradicated uh, whether in this life or the next um, I think it's possible. Uh, I, I think we're going to have to work hard at it, though. I think it's not going to happen on accident. Um, and so, yeah, so critical race theory, theory, or CRT, came up this week. And I've been trying to understand it, and it's, it's, it is a difficult thing to understand, right? It, it's not easy. Uh, because it's a bit comprehensive. It's it's not just one uh, one little theory. It, it's actually I, I heard it described this week um, from Robin Whitaker, actually, if you're listening, Robin, uh, as as a what did she say? It's a worldview, right? It's a lens through which we can view the world. And I think that's a great way to think about critical race theory. It's a lens through which we can we can see things that were otherwise invisible to us, right? And that's what lenses do, right? A lens a lens reveals things that we couldn't see without that lens. Um, a worldview view is a lens, also knows known as a hermeneutic, and you know I've talked about these things or a perspective, whatever you want to call it. Um, I've talked about that at, at length in the past. But CRT as a worldview, I think is a, is a great way to, um, to think about how to use critical race theory, uh, to improve the world. Um, so this is why it came up this week. So we had a a little Thanksgiving get together as we do at our house. I say little, but it was almost 40 people which is actually small for us, but, you know, COVID protocols and all. Um, so we, we, we got to talking, some of the guys, and, and we had some, some young conservative guys around. Uh, and, yeah, uh, and me. And it was basically three conservatives and me. And I, I, I'm... I'm certainly not a conservative, but I would not also call myself liberal because of some some certain things. But I am I am I am conservative in some of my views and more liberal in some of them. So be that as it may, we had this conversation, and they're all quite a bit younger than me. 
and this is a you know this is a very obviously a an obviously divisive issue um, that a lot of people are uh, contemplating these days, trying to figure out right how to how to navigate in the world with CRT right because critical race theory is now being uh, taught right. It's, it, it, it is being and has been spread into schools, and they're trying to use it uh, in, in the curriculums, right? They're trying to use the lens of critical race theory uh, as, as, a way to, um, as a way to teach kids, right? Um, so let's talk about uh, defining critical race theory. There's really two main parts of it. One part is, which I alluded to before, one part of CRT is that uh, race is actually a social construct. Uh, it's something that we have invented to categorize people. Okay, and and basically what that means is race is not real. Uh, kind of like, kind of like, uh, uh, you know, the hours on a clock. Right? The hours on a clock are not something that science has, has given us, but it's something that we've we've looked at we've looked at the world and how days go into nights and come back days again. How the world is cyclical, and we've created a device uh, that that helps us to divide the time of of a day, right? And that's the clock, right? And you could say that, that a calendar is just an extension of a clock. Uh, that goes over the the whole year. The you know it documents the rotation of the Earth around the Sun, uh, and when it returns to the same place. So, clocks and calendars are social constructs. They they don't exist. Like you could you could live your life without ever knowing what time it is. Um, but it's something that we've used to organize the world that we live in. Uh, and and clocks can be good. Calendars can be good, right? So, for example, if I'm looking at a calendar and I see that, oh, uh, yeah, we're getting close to uh, September. Uh, last year, September, that's when the um, harvest came. That's when we started harvesting this or that. So we probably should get ready and be ready for harvest. So a calendar would help would help us organize the year so that we could be better prepared uh, for the um, repeating and cyclical things that each year brings. For example, the first snow. Okay, we, we need to go hunting to get some skins uh, because the first snow is coming. And, and, you know, if we can do this and be ready for it, uh, maybe fewer people will die in our village from hypothermia or whatever. You know. But at the same time, calendars and clocks can be tyrannical to the point where we can take somebody's livelihood away for not showing up to work on time, right? Uh, we make people uh, be basically slaves to time, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing it now. I'm on my way to work, and I have to be at my my uh, my job at a certain time, uh, and and it's very important, right? It's become very important. So the clock has become uh, a a uh, tyrant to some extent, right? We, we enslave ourselves to the clock, um, at least for certain um, aspects of our lives. Uh, 
So CRT, one of the things is that race is a social construct. That the things that separate us, such as the color of our skin, or the texture of our hair, or even the color of our eyes, uh, really are not enough to to divide people. It's not really something that's true. Uh, it's those are not races, right? That that doesn't make a race a race, just because of that, right? Um, actually, the humans are a single race. We are all the race of humans, uh, and so race is a social construct. It's something that's we that we've created that really isn't real. Um, okay, that's easy to understand, I think. Okay, so race does not exist. Now, how that how that applies, how that applies to, uh, you know, why that would be important for us to use as a lens, uh, is because the second aspect of cr critical race theory uh, is that laws, the, the way laws have been made and or applied in societies around the world, tend to favor the majority race, okay? So for example, in America, the majority of America, I think over 50% is white. And then we have various minorities. What this means is, is that if you are white in America, the law tends to act in your favor. The law tends to act in your favor because the laws were created by white people. Those white people believed Many of them believed in the idea of race, and not only in the idea of race, but in the idea of race supremacy and race inferiority. Uh, which is to say that they believed that the white race was, was supreme and was meant to rule, and that other races of color, specifically uh, the African race, uh, was meant to be uh, subordinate or or enslaved, actually, is how it was meant to be in, in, in a certain time. Now, it doesn't mean that all the lawmakers believed this on a theoretical level, but I think enough did that, that when laws were made in America, it reflected this belief. And of course, if you know anything about hermeneutic, or worldview, you know that that worldview uh, does influence everything you do. That's the point. It, it is the way by which you see the world, right? The, the way by which you experience the world through your senses. Uh, and so this idea of, of uh, white men making laws that favored white people, uh, again, goes back to the fact that that's naturally going to be so, right? And actually, you know, if you think about it, democracy kind of demands that to be the case uh, because we have organized ourselves into races uh, and, and we tend to live with, near and with people of our own race, right? Uh, we also see other cultural uh, characteristics come to the forefront. So for example, in, in, in the black community, 
uh, if you live in a city like where I come from, St. Louis, there tend to be black neighborhoods and white neighborhoods, right? Uh, and, and in the black neighborhoods, there also tends to be a subculture as there is a subculture in the white neighborhood. Although I think white people would say it's not the subculture, it's the dominant culture. Uh, be that as may, it becomes a, a separate culture because you have gathered together. Uh, and really, whoever you choose to gather together with, you will create your own culture. Uh, but because race uh, and and um, people, because people tend to see people in terms of race. Um, let's see, I had a point. This was going to because people see tend to see people in terms of race. Oh man, I totally lost my train of thought. Let me go back. So. Yeah, so we tend to divide each other by race, and then people of the same race live together. And yeah, and because these laws can be oppressive to to people who are not white, of course that's going to cause some closeness in that community. It's gonna it's gonna cause some uh, you know shared experience, and shared negative experience is one way that people are brought together. Um, and you know we saw this here in Japan when the uh, when the the uh, tidal wave and the earthquake happened in 2011, it really galvanized this community. It brought the community together. People started working together who'd never worked together before in order to fight this, this common enemy, right? It was a very negative situation. I mean, you know, tens of thousands of people perished, uh, and yet it, it helped bring people together who otherwise would not have worked together. Now this wasn't a racial thing because, as you may know, Japan is probably 90% racially pure uh, due to its, you know, isolation as an island and its policies of forced isolation uh, for the last 400 years. Of course, that's not the case now, but I think it, it's, there, there are residual, uh, I, I think the, the forced isolation still exists in some form today. Um, you know, with different laws and immigration policies and, you know, things like this. Anyway, so when, when a community is galvanized because they, they are uh, collectively oppressed, uh, it, it, what it takes is this, this social construct, this thing that isn't real, and, and makes it culturally real, right? So now it's not... It's not the fact that your color is different. It's because that all of you have been treated the same way and, and you come together to share your experiences and maybe to brainstorm how to, how to get out of them, right? There's a positive aspect of this. Um, positive aspect. That, that Maybe that's my whiteness saying that. You know, maybe that's... There is no positive aspect of racism or... Yeah, uh, the fact that we view each other racially, that there is no positive aspect of that. Um, what I mean is, some uh, most people when they're given, you know, lemons, they tend to make lemonade, right? That's the that's the idea. And there's a there's a lot of great lemonade uh, that comes out of uh, oppressed communities. 
there's beauty there. Uh, there there's beauty in suffering. Uh, and and it should not be the case, right? So I want to say this right now. Just, just because people make uh, what, looking for the right idiom. Just because people can make good out of a bad situation does not justify the bad situation, uh, especially if it can be uh, if it can be controlled. So, critical race theory number one: race is a social construct. Number two, this social construct, which is eventually not real, has created very real laws and oppression, laws that favor the dominant race uh, and are unfair to the minority races. And again, race is not real. So, you know, it's, it's sort of like, you know, it's sort of like straw manning, if you will, right? The idea of a straw man argument is that you create a fake, you create a fake man uh, and then proceed to tear him down, right? You create a man with all these obvious flaws, uh, and then you talk about how bad the flaws are. So straw manning is a way to uh, uh, caricature, caricaturize? Is that even a word? A way to caricaturize your opponent's views and then proceed to tear them down. And we do this all the time. Like, we we always accentuate someone else's worst traits while uh, exaggerating our best traits in order to win an argument. Or we, we accentuate the worst parts of an argument that we disagree with, or a view that we disagree with, excuse me. And then we, we exaggerate the best views of my argument, right? That's how we try to win. Now, this is war, right? That's what war is. You, you, you attack your opponent's weakness, not their strength, right? You try to find their weakest point, and that's where you attack. And you try to defend with your best point. Uh, but, you know, that's the problem with war. War is not in search of a win-win outcome. War is an extension of, of tribalism, right? To where not only are we going to disagree with you, what you do and what you believe and, and what you're like and, uh, and even what you look like, now we're going to kill you because of that, right? And, you know, because of your belief system even, because of your religion. So, critical race theory, and I'm no expert. I'm no expert. In general... In theory, I, I agree with the theory. The theory of CRT, as I understand it, so don't jump down my, my neck, jump down my neck. Is that even a saying? I don't know. Uh, in theory, I agree with those two tenets. Now, now there are more tenets, right? They, they do go more, they, they go deeper. And I think the way they are being applied, I think the way they are being applied in some places in America, and especially with, especially with young children, this is where it seems to 
be going awry. And so many of us see it, see, see the way CRT is applied uh, and dismiss the ideas of CRT altogether. But you know, this is sort of like Christ and Christianity, right? Um, no matter how bad Christianity uh, or how ugly Christianity, Christianity gets, Christ remains beautiful, right? Christ remains Christ. He doesn't change just because we misunderstand him. Uh, and I'm not saying CRT is Christ. I'm just making a, a you know, making an example uh, that the principle can be sound, but the way the principle uh, is applied can be, can be horrible, right? Can be very bad. And I'm not even saying that's the case in this. I haven't, I, I, it seems like it's the case, you know, and, but all I've got are videos and, and uh, mostly people who already disagree with it and they're seeing things in a certain light. It sounds pretty bad. And I think what this stems from, the reason this always goes awry. Well, I'll say this. Teachers are already overworked, and now they're asked to, to teach from a completely new lens, right? From a completely new worldview. All of, the, all of the subjects that they teach, they're asked to now teach through the lens of CRT. The problem is, CRT does not explain everything. It, it, it's, it's not a global worldview. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a view of a certain aspect of societies, but it doesn't you know, you can't throw out all the other worldviews just because this one uh, is true, right? Um, there are many other worldviews that need to be considered, right? Uh, CRT does not answer a lot of the most important uh, questions, right? You, you, need, you need another worldview to answer those questions. For example, why are we here, right? Um, how did we get here? Why are we here? What am I supposed to be doing? Right? CRT doesn't really address these things. So CRT, yes, it is a worldview, but it cannot be the worldview by which we view everything. You know, that's crazy. It, it doesn't. It, it doesn't necessarily um, fix everything else. Right? There's still other problems. But. But I will say this. I again, I think the I think the the principles, at, at least as I understand those first two principles, I, I think they're true. I think racism is systemically uh, inherent in our laws and and our practices, uh, and I guess I would say in um, the way that laws are enforced. Right? Uh, macro cosmic. Uh, micro right my, in the microcosm my, microcosmly right microcosmically and macrocosmically right both in both ways um, you know <clears throat> we uh, I was trying to think of a way that I could simply illustrate um, how how CRT works. So it's sort of like this. So let's say all the kids in a, in a certain class wear hats, right? 
and they get to choose the color of their hat. And and more than half the class, let's say uh, 16 kids, 16 kids have chosen a blue hat because their favorite color is blue. And then the, the other, the other uh, let's say 15 kids have various colors, right? Uh, there's quite a few reds, there's quite a few greens, there's quite a few yellows, you know, maybe a purple and probably quite a few pinks, actually. Uh, we'll say it's an elementary school class. And what this reveals is the, the favorite color of the kids, right? The, this, this reveals the favorite color of each kid. Now, the, the classroom gets to, they get to repaint their classroom and they have to decide which color to paint the classroom. And so they're going to vote on it. So basically, all the kids who like blue, uh, they, they, of course, vote for blue. They want, they want the classroom to be blue. I don't know why I said the hats. That's kind of silly. Well, I guess I could have, yeah. Yeah, sorry. This is why I do this podcast, to really think out these things, because <laughs> these illustrations don't always work. Forget the hats. Just favorite color, right? And so, of course, all of the kids who want the classroom blue want blue. Uh, and basically what happens is in, you know, critical race theory, the classroom would be painted blue, even though, uh, you know, 49% of the kids prefer other colors, right? The classroom is going to be blue. Uh, and so now these kids, even though they don't like blue, they have to continually come into a classroom that's blue every day. Right. And so they're, they're, um, whatever they like, right, um, is not met. Man, this truck is smoking like crazy. Hope it's not on fire. It's carrying some kind of a chemical. Maybe it's just exhaust. Uh, anyway, yeah, sorry. Kind of would rather not die if this truck explodes, but I think it's fine. Um, he doesn't seem worried. I know that's a really simplistic way of looking at it, but but take this take this a little bit farther. You know, now the now the blue people, the people who like blue, really really decide not to like the people of the other who like other colors because they don't like those other colors and so what they want to do now is they go to the teacher and they say hey you know those kids are not like us because we all like blue they like other other colors we want to have a classroom that not only is painted our color but only has people in the classroom of that color right we we want to we want to have our own classroom and if you come in this classroom, you have to you have to decide that you like blue, right? The only way you get to come into our classroom is that if you like blue, okay? And so we want to separate. Let's put all those other people in their own classroom, those rainbow people. But let you know, we want our classroom to only be blue, okay? Um, right. This is how we start separating ourselves, right? Uh, and then when we all do get together, uh, the blue people should be in the front of the line because because it's the best color, right? And because we have the majority, 
then we should be able to um, get what we want, right, and do what we want to do. Um, because, you know, we're the majority. So we should be able to be first. And when it's time for, you know, to go to lunch, uh, we want to be first in the lunch line. Okay? Uh, because blue is the best color. Blue should be first in everything. Right? Uh, and so those other people, they'll just have to, you know, they'll have to go after us. Um, it, this is kind of how it goes. And so these laws are written for this classroom. These rules are written and followed uh, because majority rules, right? What can you do? That, that's the, the tyranny of, of democracy, right? Democracy can be just as tyrannical as anything else, right? Um, I know it's kind of a ridiculous way of looking at it, but over time, you, you forget that this is why certain laws were made. You know, they just become the laws and, and maybe even over time, people have stopped being so, so tyrannical about their color choice. And maybe they even started liking another color, right? Another couple colors. And, and uh, you know, maybe they changed the color that they liked, right? Um, but we forgot that the laws were made uh, because of colors to begin with. And the laws have persisted, even though the reason for the laws have changed, right? Uh, and and so now that people no longer feel that we should separate people because of uh, their color choice, right? Um, the laws still tend to favor that color choice, right? It's something that still uh, exists. It's not something that goes away very easily. Um, and so now we have we have a you know some pretty hard decisions to make. Uh, how do we go back and rewrite those laws when it's how we've always done things, right? That's how we've always done it. Um, we don't know how to do things any other way. You know, it's the very fabric that our society was built on, right? How do we now? Uh, go back and rewrite those laws so that those laws are uh, more more even for everyone else right they're more they're more kind uh, they value uh, diversity right they value uh, other people uh, why can't we just say everybody's the same it doesn't matter what color you like right um, there's no need to make rules based on something so silly as color it's dumb that it was ever, you know, that it was ever done in the first place. Uh, but we know that, you know, as societies, uh, we have developed um, at different rates, right? And our thinking uh, tends to elevate over time. You know, there, there was a time when, uh, when we believed that black people should be enslaved, uh, if they were in our country at all. Uh, and now we realize that was a horrible idea. Slavery was bad. I don't think, I don't know anybody that would disagree with that. But the problem is the laws have not been um, looked at. They, they, we have not done our due diligence to go back and remove any kind of systemic racism that exists not only in our laws, but in our practices, right? In our protocols. Um, and really, 
every organization, uh, if, if they want to be kind, if they want to be Christ-like, really every organization should do this. Uh, because it's kind, because it's the right thing to do. Uh, we don't want to oppress people because of the color of our skin. And if that oppression exists in any way, shape, or form in our laws and practices and our social constructs, we need to go back and we need to, number one, we need to educate kids coming up in a different way. And number two, we need to rewrite our laws. It's just, it's just a simple thing. Our laws need to reflect who we are today, not who we were a hundred or two hundred years ago. And to be fair, our our ideas of race have changed fairly quickly, right? The law has changed. Uh, sorry, um, our our feelings of race have changed fairly quickly. You know, if you're talking about the course of human history, I would say that humans have been racist for a long time uh, and we shouldn't ever have been, right? Uh, but now that we know we shouldn't have been, there's no reason why we can't go back and try to fix some of those things. There's no reason that we can't right some wrongs systemically, right? Fix the system. I think that's the I think that's the call of CRT. Now, uh, maybe next week I'll do something on how CRT is being taught in schools because some of the stuff I've seen is very disturbing. But I do know some teachers, and I would like to get their takes on it. So maybe maybe even have somebody on a podcast. That'd be awesome. Anyway, uh, that's, that's my uh, take on that today. It may change next week as I look into this more. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.